This is the Realm of Agape Christian Church. Bless us this day with an overwhelming baptismal portion. We need a renewal, oh God. We need a renewal, oh God. Send a revival as only you can. We need a renewal until there's a fervor, bar none, a fervor, unmistakably revealed and can be seen by others who are not even a part of you yet, but they'll see us as a lighthouse in a sea of noise, and they'll find the real sound of glory. They will find it, amen, and they will have an inquiry started, and they will ask of the hope. I pray we be ready. Make us now hungry and thirsty after your word in such a way that you instill in us a new divine dimension of diligence. We couldn't do it in and of ourselves. It has to be a work of God. It has to be unmistakable. Let our testimony show that it was God. If it hadn't been for God on our side, where would we be? If it wasn't for that author and finisher of our faith, where would we be? My God, where would we be? My God, I pray it bubbles over until we have to testify. Someone's going to ask us and they're going to, amen, take it out of us. They're going to, amen, cause it to be, oh God, opened up so that we must give a word for the Lord. We need to give words in these dry parcels of land out there. Few there be that find the Lord. Maybe because there's not enough light showing forth. I pray we be the lights of God in this dark world. May we be the warmth of God's life in the coldness of the world. I pray, God, that we be the emanating of a heavenly perfume in a world that's full of things that will turn God's nose otherwise. May we be a sweet-smelling savor to the world, and may they have need to want more of it. Let us lead them right to you, Jesus, right to you, to the saving power of Jesus. Save souls. God, you're able in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank God. Everybody thank God. Everybody thank God. Come on and thank God. Hey, thank God. Thank God. He's a wonder worker. A wonder worker. We are yet in the Living Truth series, part four, in pursuit of heaven's purpose. And uh, we want to move forward in this uh, school of thought, moved by the Holy Ghost, of course, inspired by him. Let's go to the book of Nehemiah right quick. Nehemiah, chapter six and chapter seven. One verse in each chapter. We shall see forth what uh, the Holy Ghost has to say forward heretofore in this word. May it be shared according to the move of God's spirit in Jesus name. Amen. I thank God for health, life, and growth. If you're not growing, it's a sign of you need pruning. Uh, if you get pruned and refertilize and time goes on and still no fruit, there's a sign you need to be pulled up. My God, are you fruitful? Is anyone seeing the handiwork of God in your life? Are you sharing? 
the word of God. That's the quality of having fruitfulness in your life. You're producing that on a daily. This is a new day. You have to proclaim it once again, a day that the what Lord has made. You have to keep decreeing and declaring that every day. From the rising of the sun to the going under the same. There's a psalm for rising up early, for prayer, for prayer. There's a psalm as you rest your head on your pillow, going uh, into a slumber and thanking God. And we have to do that. Help us to do it, Lord. I know the Holy Ghost just shows somebody a shortcoming. Don't, amen, hide from it. Let the Holy Ghost come in and do what he came to do. Make you better. Church is not about us making you cozy. If it's cold outside, I don't mind turning the heat on. The, uh, you know, we can't do that to folk. We should have a little water. Maybe folks need to be uh, relieved in their body. We need a, a station back there for that. We do that. Amen. But other than that, amen, the Holy Ghost is going to make somebody feel uncomfortable about where they are at. And God needs to, amen, help us to have an elevation to a higher level of praise in our life for him. We have to stop, amen, trying to be so tolerable and, and blending in like chameleons in the world. Let's stand out. Light stands out in darkness. Darkness can't comprehend light. It goes backwards as a shadow. We need to be a light. And we need to be diligent about it. And a word came through the woman of God. We need to be strategic about it. Amen. Thank God. Thank God. God meant what he said and said what he meant. Thank God, thank God. Nehemiah 6, 9. I'm in the New King James Version. It says, they were all trying to make us afraid, saying their hands will be weakened in their work, and it will not be done. They were speaking like the devil, trying to block the work of God, discouraging the people of God. That was an attempt to do that. And the scripture goes on to say, now, therefore, O God... Strengthen my hands. The petition went right on up. Didn't talk to those who were scorners, scoffers, backstabbers, complainers, haters. No, the conversation wasn't with them because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the the pulling down of strongholds. So let's not waste our breath talking to those folk. Let's not have a long conversation with the devil. Just find out his name and how many there are and what their purpose is. And amen. And go to casting out. Amen. We don't play with the devil. We cast him out. Amen. Thank God he has no, no business being in our midst. And I'm talking about our personal life. He has no business being in our midst. I'm talking about in our domestic home. He has no business being in our midst as you're traveling to your job and back and forth. And in the marketplace, my God, he's going to be all kind of folk with their demonic grimacing faces. And my God, they want to be first in line. They're going to step on your foot to get there. Some folk going to try to cheat you, whatever, whatever. But we have to stay put in the presence of God. Be a light. Don't let them pull you down to be a curse monger. My God, a road rage freak. My God, loose here. Let's stay in the light, the beautiful light of God. Don't let them pull you left, right, behind, too far forward. Stay in the pocket. Now, therefore, God, strengthen my hands. He will strengthen your hands, which have been cleansed, by the way, because you go to the holy hill of the Lord. What's the first thing he's going to say? Cleanse your hands. You're doing the wrong stuff. 
hands connected to the heart. He's going to cleanse the heart, transform the mind, and your hands will follow suit. See, God is talking about something prophetically that he has already done on the inside. He's not going to talk to outside stuff unless he has worked on the inside already. Thank God. So this fellow is praying right. Nehemiah is praying right. Strengthen my hands. Hands are going to follow suit what the spirit of God has commissioned for the soul to do. Speak to your soul. Train your soul. Train your heart. Have your mind transformed. Don't go by the wicked way of your innate sinfulness. We were born and shaped in iniquity. We can't trust our own self. We have to say, Father God, save me from myself. And yes, you got two selves. You got that unsaved self, wants to revive itself, wants to come back on to the, to the forefront. But we're going to keep him on uh, an eternal timeout, locked up with the Holy Ghost duct tape on his mouth. Put him in the corner. My God, we got to go forth in Jesus' name. Yes. They did that in Nehemiah 7.1. It shows forth what happened when they kept pressing forward to do the work of the Lord. In the NIV, I'm going to read that one. And it says, after the wall had been rebuilt. Uh-huh. And, uh, and Nehemiah is speaking in first person. And I, had, and I had set the doors in place. The gatekeepers, the musicians, and the Levites were appointed. See, God gets the house in order, everything in it, brings forth the people, shows us what we got to do even in parenting, getting ready for the babies to come. Amen. It's not a shock. Babies aren't a, a mistake. We're ready for them. May have taken Lisa and I a little time, but that's, that's the time God needed us to take. Folks were like stymied through that five year of no kids. We were dinks for five years, double income. No kids. Be a dink as long as you can in Jesus' name. Because when the babies come, it's, yes, going to be said too late. The bills will come. My God, and great will be the sound thereof. But God will get you ready and he'll keep you ready. Got to live within your means. My God, and sometimes life presents itself and you get caught out there and you got to, amen, use credit. My God, but sometimes God, amen, has to work overtime now to help you to get back to that light. Sometimes you have to have a dry season of no, I'm not going to go here, I'm not going to go there. Everybody's showing their smiley faces all on social media. Oh, look where we went, look where we went. Oh, look where we didn't go. Ah, we paying, we paying. We go to work, I owe, I owe, I owe, it's off to work, I go. And you got to do some work. Nehemiah and his boys had to do some work. Ah, there was was time that came, they were getting a little doubtful, pouts started coming, you know, people had wind in their jaw, they didn't want to work, my God. But God brought forth an anointing of revival through there, and they were enabled by God's spirit. Dry up those pouts and dry up your tears. Don't argue with the haters. Talk to God and watch him bring forth some power. This message is going to help us to come to terms with the following questions. How does God want us to define what is a great work? Because we look around ourselves and we're expending energy and anointing to do this and to do that. And it seems like nothing's happening. The way we might measure up ourselves to others, we might ask this question too. How does the enemy confuse that definition? 
How does the secular uh, worldview about great works differ from our biblical worldview? And hopefully we are living by the biblical worldview in the house of God. What can uh, we do daily to accomplish a great work for God? Whatever that means. Uh, This message is going to help delineate that. After considering the great groundwork of a correct definition for what great works are, uh, which will give us uh, the proper footing we need to proceed, there are five main qualifiers that we will also need to help us become successful Christian workers. Are you willing to work? Are you ready to work? My God, ready or not, the Holy Ghost needs you to work. Because that's when he calls you when you're not ready. Oh, I have this great big thing for you to do. What? Oh my goodness, it's well beyond what I could fathom. I think that's where you need to be because you need God. If you could do it and fathom and think about it, do you need God? It's always way bigger than you. It's bigger. If, if the calling you got is not bigger and, and it's something that you can't figure out, if it's something you can't figure out, good. If it's something you can figure out, bad. Amen. Because now you're going to become like God. You're going to become like Lucifer. Oh, I will do this. I will ascend to the north. I will make plans. I will do this. I will do that. Notice all the ah, ah, ah. But I think God for Nehemiah, when he said ah, God was working. God was the author. God commissioned. God used the government to bless them to go forth and do what they had to do. My God, it wasn't Nehemiah's work. It was God's work. And he was just merely testifying of what God did. Yes, Lord. So let's look at this thought. The smallest godly obedience is a great work. What? The smallest godly obedience is a great work. You may think, oh, this little thing I got to do right here and right now. Oh, good. God will say, yes, you get an A plus for that little tiny thing. Now you're ready for this here other thing. See, God is scaffolding. He's building you up. He got you to do that. And you're ready now to have a bigger faith. You know, faith comes and it grows. Ah, uh, you may need just a little bit of faith. And now you, you got that down and God's going to say, now look at this here, a bigger assignment. Oh, my goodness. I guess, you know, I was able to do that other one. I'm going to trust God to do this here one. It's way, way bigger than what I could do, what I think I could do. Well, but I'm going to trust God any, anyhow. Because, yes, if you just say yes. You don't have much money, but you said yes. You don't have wherewithal and human resources and all that, but you, you, you said what? Yes. You could say yes. I don't have all the money I need for the third book. I, 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 I'm about to be finished with the second book, and now God's ha- God has already for months now been giving me notes to take for the third book. And I'm not yet finished paying for the second book. I said, Lord, I'm going to get the money for this here book. Uh, You got the answer for that. And now you're giving me another assignment. I got to catch up. God said, come on, keep up now. And I'm just writing notes. He said, it don't cost nothing to say yes. You don't need a big bank account to say yes. Just say yes. Just do the small things. And every time he gives me something to think about, I write it down quick, lest at any time I let it slip. I got a lot of notes in my phone all over the room in places, uh, jotting down, uh, transcribing what the Holy Ghost put on my heart. 
for assignments that he gives me. And I have to keep on every day. Keep saying yes. Yes to your will. Yes to your way. And it's like a small little thing right now, but it's going to grow. Aren't seeds small? Drop them down in the ground that has been prepared. Water and watch it grow. Keep, keep the weeds out. Watch it grow. It's, it's, it's getting the nutrients. It's, it's rotting under that ground, but it's opening up. First food is what was given to it at first, and now it's getting food from all around. God gives you what you need on the inside, and after a while, all the stuff around you, you're going to have to work it. And God's going to show you how to do it. But there are little details that have to be followed. The smallest godly obedience. It's going to become a great work. It is a great work. The small stuff is the great stuff. Amen. How is God's spirit talking through Nehemiah? What is God's spirit saying to us today through Nehemiah about great works? This is how God defines great work. Whatever anyone does out of a sincere desire to know God and draw others to him, that's a great work. I pray this this church does not uh, fall prey to going astray from um, the leading of God's spirit. Uh, We must keep that lyric in in our soul a savior like a shepherd, lead us, lead us, my God. If, if this person doesn't go, I still will follow. I'll go with them, what? All the way. I've decided to, what? Follow Jesus. No turning back. We need to keep these lyrics alive. These are the songs, hymns, and spiritual songs we need to keep alive in our soul so we could go forward and not turn back. Keep saying Yes. In the dark day, say yes. Raining, oh God, a monsoon coming down, say yes. Bad hair day, say yes. In the spirit, you can have a bad hair day, amen. Things are not right. Everybody else shouting, got their fineries on, and you look like a hot mess, but you keep saying what? Yes. I might be a hot mess, but I'm going to keep saying yes. People wouldn't buy that t-shirt probably too much. Ah, but let's see what God has for us. We got to engage in the work of God. My God, God will show us a glimpse of his plan and he will help us to see it, how it ought to be unfolding in our lives. Our life is a journey of faith just like that. It's unfolding, unpeeling. My God, and and, and faith usually uh, is sometimes a little formidable, may not be tasteful, my God. Uh, but, but, but if we get that glimpse from glory, it's, it, it's a hopeful map to help us put our foot forward and just keep going. We know that God has something greater to help us accomplish. We have to keep saying yes, pushing ever forward. Sometimes our so-called storms in this life uh, cloud our way and seem to last forever. Yet, by God's power, we can rest assured that he is yet with us. I know he's with me. Yes, his rod and staff, they comfort me on a daily. Yes, he's with me. (laughs) And as we are yet walking in his way, we are yet doing a what? 
great work. Doesn't seem great right now, but I said yes to the Lord. I'm doing this thing he told me to do. I'm not doing what he's telling you to do. You're where you need to be for what God is telling you. But I'm not going to measure myself to that. I'm doing what God told me to do right now. And it looked little to some folk, but it's a great work to him. Hallelujah, God. I'm glad that other folk don't get to measure me. God is measuring me. I'm going to measure myself according to God's standard, not what he's doing for somebody else, but what he's doing for me right here and right now. We got to keep saying yes. Small things matter. And, and they matter as much as big things. We could look at the small things as the add-ins, leading to a great sum, a sum that's greater than we ever expected to be the total. My God. For example, every father who repairs a leaky faucet, there's a toilet upstairs in my house that stopped working as Lisa and I were heading out of town. And she said, it just keeps going and going and going. I said, we're going to have to shut it off. And my son came home after we left. He said, he texted me. He said, Dad, what's going on with the toilet? I said, yeah, you're going to have to use the downstairs one until I get back. And uh, amen. I may not tune up with a Hammond organ. They may not be, amen, hitting the tambourine when I fix the toilet. But it's still a great work. Hallelujah. I got to take care of my business. Everything we do for God matters. When we vacuum this church out, it matters. We don't want folks stepping over stuff, going, ew, what's wrong with this place? Oh, this is none other than the dump. It is the gate of sanitation. My God, we need to make sure everything's done right up in here. Every little bit is a great work. work. Hallelujah. When a father prays with his kids before dinner, he's doing a great work. Every little thing matters. Every mother who prepares dinner and joins in that prayer is doing a great work. If the father's preparing that dinner and joins in the prayer, they're doing a what? Great work. Are there any single parents in the room? My God, they work hard. Widowers work hard. My God, to pay their bills, pay their rent, their lease, their mortgage. My God. And yet, uh, read the Bible, amen, on a daily, I pray. When they read those scriptures, when they have meditation time with the Lord, that's a great work, amen. You are um, doing a great work if you keep your, amen, hand on the plow of the Lord each and every day. It's a great work, hallelujah. I don't see 10,000 folk coming down the aisle to say, to say yes to Jesus. So what? You did what you were supposed to do. It's a what? Great work. Hallelujah. Stop measuring yourself on what you see on TV and down the street. My God, and across the yard. My God. They say the grass look green over there, yeah, but there are thorns you don't see. So stop wishing for somebody else's yard. Amen. God sees everything we do, and he's going to be pleased if it's in his will. Your reward is coming. Hey, hallelujah. You didn't work iniquity. You worked his will. It's a great work. Hallelujah. Whatever is done to know the Lord and uh, make him known to advance his purposes, all of that stuff is a what? Great work. Amen. And he will use every great work done by his people, no matter how small it seems. And it's going to do what? Further his great plan. 
When we see the fullness of that plan and its end result, we will be baptized in great joy overflowing. And here are the five qualifiers that will help facilitate that outcome. We can look at them as five golden rings. Hey, hallelujah. Which leads you to the four calling birds, which are the gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, You better get these five golden rings of successful Christian workers. And you know what? When we're working, the devil's going to be against us. When we're working for God, there's going to be afflictions, but God shall deliver us what? Out of them all. The devil's going to meet us and, and try to aim and block us. And all kind of things all around you may seem to be falling apart. November seems to be a falling apart month. Stuff's starting to break. Use the toilet every day. The stuff you take for granted. And the toilet said, if I stop working, you're going you to bless me. <laughs> That's broke and some other stuff in the house. I said, oh my goodness, I got a lot of little assignments here. But I got to take care of each and every one of them. I get out of here, I got to go to Lowe's and buy the part. Amen. <laughs> That's all good. But it's going to be a what? A great work. I'm not going to let the devil turn me around. Sometimes little proclivities in your life, they tempt you to go the wrong way. But there's going to be grace there. You can make a detour away from that and go back to God. Where sin abounds, guess what? Grace. The grace of God abounds much more. So yes, you're going to have five golden rings of successful Christian work because God's grace can abound. Got to remember that. Number one, ring number one, God anoints, appoints, and provides. God does what? Anoints, appoints, and provides. Here's a brief historic background. You know, the book of Nehemiah begins with King Artaxerxes sending Nehemiah to where? Jerusalem. To do what? Rebuild its walls. They were uh, exilic in this history. They were exiles because of disobedience. Ah, and we know the Babylonians had come in and, and did damage. My God, took people. And uh, kingdom after kingdom, you know, one kingdom come in and then the next new kingdom come in and defeats that kingdom and it keeps going. But here we are in history where King Artaxerxes is sending Nehemiah with a decree that he could rebuild the walls. Nehemiah third chapter gives a detailed description of the various gates of the walls, which is the earliest such description scholars have, thereby helping them to understand something of the topography of Jerusalem at that time. As with uh, Ezra's reforms, uh, there was opposition to rebuilding the wall. There were haters, just like we have haters today. You do something for God. Here you go. Somebody's going to hate on you. Uh, but they were rebuilding to fortify, refortify Jerusalem. My God, it made the surrounding nations nervous. Oh, boy, what's this a sign of? They're getting ready to get strong and try to mess with us. Or try to show us up. That's what haters think. We're going to show them up. Oh, they're not going to show me up. Then they get reinforcements to try to make us look bad. You know, like our little work is nothing. They like having these testimonies, uh, show off monies. That's what really are. Ostentatious demons. 
trying to discourage you, make you have doubt and fear. My God, they want you to just think that that little thing you're doing don't mean about nothing. Oh, yes, but every little thing I do for Jesus, it counts, it matters, and it is a great work because I serve a great God. Hallelujah. Anyhow, I'm going to say yes in the face of haters. That's what Nehemiah and them did. Despite the haters, the wall was still completed. Thank God. Nehemiah also includes a number of lists that are uh, of interest to historians and us today. A list of those who returned from Babylon, of those who agreed to the religious reforms initiated by the great teacher Ezra, reading the Torah in the presence of the people. He said they have to be retaught. Some folks never even heard the word since we were in exile. My God, young people growing up didn't hear the word. Uh, There was a list of new residents in Jerusalem and a list of the priests and Levites. Like Ezra, Nehemiah is concerned with foreign religious influence. You know what happens. All the idols, idolatrous living all around you. It could infiltrate into you, into you, into your home, even into the four walls of your church. My God. If it wasn't so, we wouldn't have uh, Levites wearing yoga pants. Hallelujah, anyhow. It's a shame. You know, it is not fortuitous, but of divine necessity that Nehemiah be anointed to lead in the reform of consecration to become diligent. He needed them to become diligent, to embrace the anointing of diligence. God is calling for us today, realm, that we must embrace and hold on to the gift of anointing God has placed and poured into our midst for us to be diligent unto him. You see how Nehemiah and his folk built up this wall. The physical wall may have had political significance, but the spiritual implications were not separated in the ancient day like they are in our day. They did physical things. It had a spiritual uh, meaning. So we need to think about that. When we're doing certain things, we may not, uh, you know, have the fluent tongues like somebody else. But just look at the fluent tongue folk. Some of them, amen, are living a foul life, so it doesn't measure up much. I wonder what spirit is really being the influence of their tongue. It's supposed to be an utterance of the Holy Ghosts. It must be some kind of unholy ghost because you don't leave a, a fluent tongue service and then go fluently out there living some kind of folly. My God, it's not measuring up. You don't come from the holy of holies in all the way to the unholy of unholies in two seconds. My God, what happened? Let's go to ring number two. God does not want us to become weary as we seek to advance his kingdom. Ring number two, don't become weary. My God, God does not want us to become weary as we seek to advance his kingdom. God's going to give us diligence to do it. The very thing that broke uh, Nehemiah's heart in chapter one is what breaks God's hearts. It wasn't the hardship and inconvenience he would face if he left his important job in the Persian king's court to go to Jerusalem, 
because that's what he had to do. Nehemiah knew he was called to do a great work when he heard that God's plan was not going forward among his people. And when he realized how deeply that troubled God, he couldn't get over their complacency. They were being lazy. They were made to just forget what God had said after two seconds being in service. Their heart burned for two seconds, but after that, forgot everything God said. They didn't let it go into their heart. They didn't let it, amen, do a transforming work. They kept their mind the same way it was. They came in one way and left that same way. Nearly 100 years had passed since God's people, a small number, had left the relative comforts of Persia and returned to a city in ruins. When God sends you to do a work, it's not going to be a pretty thing all the time. So you better be good and anointed. You better be looking in the spirit because what you see in the flesh will turn you back around. Oh, we need to go back to Egypt. Didn't we have spices and desserts and everything? This is what we want to do. We want to go back to where the sinful fleshly comforts were. We need to get out of our comfort zone. Amen. Suffer in the flesh for a while. Amen. And cease from sin. Hallelujah. Anyhow. Thank God. My God. My God. You see, the walls and the city gates were still in rubble when they got there. And all that time, God's people were not willing to do the hard work of rebuilding the walls to protect themselves from neighboring enemies. They were more concerned about living as comfortably as they could right then uh, for the time present. They weren't thinking about the future. You have to aim and invest. Sometimes you got to go through a little bit of a hardship. It's a term of investment. And then later you're going to amen, see the glory. We're going through a little bit of stuff down here and yeah, a lot of stuff down here on the earth, but it's not going to compare to what we're going to have in glory. This is going to seem like nothing. My God, when we get to glory, hallelujah, we're going to be glad. Oh, glad that we held on to the words of our testimony and stayed under the blood of Jesus so that the sinful world could do us no harm and turn us back. Hallelujah, God, stay right under the blood. So the world could do you no harm. Oh, but the people are going to try to turn you around. Haters are going to try to turn you around. If you walk in the flesh, haters will turn you around. Walk in the flesh and see if the outer uh, extremities all around you, they don't look cozy. They're going to turn you right back around. Because everybody else not in the will of God seem to be doing much better. Why am I going down this narrow path when I could go to Broadway? That seemed to be the way, where the anointing is. Yeah, it is an anointing because the devil has an anointing. But it's an unholy evil anointing. We need the holy anointing. The devil will commission folk. Didn't he say he would commission Jesus? He said, you give me a little bit of worship, I'll give you all this here. But that's only Satan's stuff for a little bit. You know, he can't cash, cash in and keep that. God uh, uh, developed a, a, a new piece of real estate for him called, amen, uh, a lake that burneth with what? Fire and brimstone, a bottomless pit. That's his real estate. <laughs> We're not supposed to be there. That was made for who? The devil and his fallen angels. It wasn't made for us. If we go there, we're like sort of like intruders almost, and the devil going to give us more hell to face. My God, we thought we went through hell down here on this earth. It's going to be, oh God, I can't even count how much, what multiplicity of greater pain it's going to be. 
We don't want to go there. We don't want to walk in unauthorized places on this earth. You walk unauthorized here, you're going to that unauthorized place. That was authorized for the devil, not for us. But if you want to go there, that's where you're going to go. It's our decision. God does not bend our arm. We must continue to say, yes, Lord. And yes, Lord does not always feel right. It's not based on feelings, but based on obeying God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Ring number three says only the diligent will earn the reward of revival. The reward is revival. Who does it go to? The diligent. Uh, And that's going to be their spiritual crown. My God. I thank God for that. And if you think about the Olympic Games in the ancient day, in the Greek Olympic Games, they, they, they worked to get rewards, didn't they? Uh, in the ancient world, the winner, the victor, was crowned with a laurel wreath. However, the winner could not become complacent if he wanted to remain a champion. Every athlete learns this truth from experience. A sure and quick way to go downhill from the peak of performance is to stop training. Stop praying. Stop fasting and praying. My God, stop singing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs and making melody in your heart. Stop meditating on the word of God. If we stop, we become complacent and just get cozy with the comforts of innate sinfulness. We could download them. We could subscribe to them. My God, we could befriend folk and go down a path that God didn't say, but it'll feel good for a minute. But you're going to have an eternal regret, weeping and gnashing of teeth in, in outer darkness. My God, don't become complacent. They said it in the artistic language, uh, especially in the Pauline epistles, where we have to train like those good athletes. You have to keep yourself in shape. You have to lay aside every weight that's going to get in your way. So a sure and quick way to go downhill is to stop training when the race or season is over and just resting on past accomplishments. That's when you have become complacent and lazy. You have stopped training. The importance of not becoming complacent is also relevant in this in the spiritual realm, because basking in the glories of past spiritual victories can lead to spiritual defeat because our spiritual battles never stop. The devil will make you cozy thinking about the past, uh, but and then he's building up new uh, entrenchments all around you, which you are not going to be ready to deal with because you're dealing with the past. Look ever forward. Look into Jesus, what? The author, finisher of your faith. He's going to make you ready. Relaxing when we have reached plateaus of spiritual growth can spell disaster because standing still will lead to spiritual atrophy. Your muscles are going to get weak. My God, we must press on and never become complacent in this life. The time for resting is where? In heaven. When we finally hear the Savior say, well done. My God, well done. Well done. The principle of not becoming complacent is clearly taught in the second half of the book of Nehemiah. The first half of Nehemiah, chapters one through six, uh, those are about the physical 
rebuilding of the wall around the ancient city of Jerusalem under the leadership of Nehemiah. The second half of the book, chapters 7 through 13. Those are about the spiritual rebuilding of the people through the continuing efforts of Nehemiah and through also the teaching of Ezra. Thank God. You got to have the discipleship teaching going on. You get them to the place, but they need to be taught. That brings us, brings us to ring number four. Nehemiah, our ancient spiritual Olympian, reveals the high cost of diligence. Nehemiah reveals the high cost of diligence. It's a high cost, y'all. The events in the book of Nehemiah took place in the 5th century B.C., about 445 B.C., approximately 100 years before Nehemiah's time. The Jews were nearing the end of their 70-year exile in Babylon. They were in captivity because of their what? Disobedience to the covenant that God had made with them. But you know what? God is gracious. In 539 BC, the Persians conquered the Babylonians and the Persian emperor Cyrus issued a decree of goodwill which permitted the captive uh, Jews to return to their homeland if they so desired. Look at God. About 50,000 Jews returned to Jerusalem in 538 B.C. After some uh, delay, uh, they rebuilt their temple, which had been destroyed by the Babylonians under Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, The rebuilt temple was completed about 516 B.C., However, the walls around Jerusalem were not rebuilt. They remained in piles of rubble for another 70 years. Apparently, no one was concerned enough or energetic enough to organize a rebuilding party. My God. Without a wall, the the, the city was weak and, and, and they were vulnerable. They were open for attack. And that was a discredit to the name of the Lord. What are we not doing that brings a discredit on the name of our God? We say we serve a great, the greatest of all. My God, he's above all. There's no name above his name. But how are we living? How are we showing it? How are we allowing God's power to come in our life and show forth his great name? If my people call by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And what? We got to do something. You got to turn. They say, no, it's effortless. No, you got to do something. You got to what? Turn from your wicked ways. My God. Nehemiah, a Jewish cupbearer to the Persian king. See, he had a secular job. Man of God with a secular job. Sound like me and sound like some of you. My God. The cupbearer for who? The Persian king, Artaxerxes, became so concerned about the sorry condition of the ruined wall in chapter one that he requested permission from Artaxerxes to go to Jerusalem more than a thousand miles away. Why? So that he could do something about the walls. And that happened in chapter two. Permission was miraculously granted and Nehemiah traveled from Susa, the Persian capital, all the way to Jerusalem. There he stirred up the hearts and energies of the people to rebuild the wall in chapter three 
an amazing feat was accomplished in spite of great opposition from haters in chapters uh, four through six. Uh, the wall surrounding Jerusalem was completely rebuilt in only 52 days. Thank God. We see that in Nehemiah six, uh, verse 15. Uh, it took less than two months to do a job that was neglected for how long? 70 years. Look how the devil held them up for 70 years. But they were able to muster up and do what the anointing came to do. And they let the anointing work in their life and was able to accomplish it in less than two months. Don't tell me what God can't do if you put your mind on God. Turn your plate down and get all up in God. Hallelujah. Immerse yourself in the presence of God. There's nothing, no one could stop you. Look at, look at, look at uh, even uh, 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 Jeremiah when he was in prison. He was able to cut real estate deals while he was yet in prison. They, they were, uh, amen, getting uh, hammered by the Babylonians, but he was yet able to sell land and get money. My God, isn't that something? It's amazing what God can do in a short time through people whose hearts and energies are united and dedicated only to him. Even when the starting point is a pile of rubble, we got in here, this place looked like a pile of rubble, my God. But there's no limit to what God can do in and through us. We got to trust God. And you know, the devil will come and make little problems in our life, little financial issues here and there, cause a little thing happen over here, an emergency here, here, and here. All that stuff adds up because he's looking down the road. I'm going to stop them from being able to do this here thing over here. But you know what? Where sin abounds, grace abounds much, much more. God can take us out of this mess that we're in. God can help us. Amen. He's Jehovah Yireh, the God that will see to it. Hallelujah, God. He does it through provision. He does it through, amen, helping us to not have doubt. He does it through, amen, encouraging us, helps us to have a new fervor, diligence that can't be tainted by Satan, can't be hindered by Satan. My God, I thank you, Lord. You're able. You're going to keep us. Hey, hallelujah. I trust you. We're going to see through this thing. Amen. Ring number five. The anointing of diligence. Let's use it or we will lose it. Ring number five. The anointing of diligence. We must use it or we will lose it. It's like muscles in your body. Use them or you're going to lose them. My God, I heard great leaders, even uh, the late great Reverend Dr. Robert L. Norris. He said, use me or you or lose me. My God. <laughs> Put folk to work the way God equipped them to work. And they will work. Amen. God will pull them up and place them somewhere else. My God, my God. If you're in a carnal state, he may just do that. My God. And some folk who are in an anointed place who are carnal, God will pull them up too. Like weeds. Let God separate the what? Wheat from the tear. Don't be crying, tear will leave before they tear the place up. Let them go, amen. Hallelujah, anyhow. The activity of work or Christian service, we call it, is very important for the growing Christian. You're going to grow in Christ, you should be doing a faithful work. 
Many Christians who are complacent when it comes to Christian service end up complaining about how things are going in the local church or even criticizing those who are working. This proves that there is power in the tongue, both good and bad. Watch how you're flapping your tongue. My God, are you working or only attending church? Getting involved in the work of the Lord doesn't mean you must leave your present job or enter the ministry full time, as some people say. There are many jobs that need to be done in the area of Christian service, and we can all find a place to get involved and get busy for the Lord. Every church has the potential for numerous ministries that need help. If you are not uh, involved in some Christian service right now, you could always be in a one-on-one encourager of a Christian whose wall is not as strong as yours. My God, watching, worshiping, and working are all spiritual activities that need continual emphasis in the Christian life. Watching, worshiping, and working. My God. They once told me that uh, if you look at Israel, she, uh, Israel is the wife, the wife of God, right? The church is uh, looked at as wife in an acronym. We must witness. We must have information. We must fellowship and we must evangelize. That's heavenly purpose for Jesus's church. What are we doing today? We're just trying to throw out food and make people have, you know, opportunities to party, shake their Elvis like pelvis like Elvis and go out and just, you know, have a drunk time. My God. And the intolerable of the devices of this world. But God is saying, no, you must shine as heaven wants you to shine by the transforming and renewing of your mind. God calls forth through fasting and prayer, calling demons out of folk, amen, and getting them saved and delivered and set free, cleansed. We're not going to do this uh, artful work, sinful, artful work of uh, baiting and switching. No. If you want to hear the word of God, because the word of God is calling you and uh, God's shown you light through our life. And now you want an answer for the hope that lies in us. And you, you, you come nibbling and God makes us fishers of men and they come nibbling and they want to know more. We bring them on in in loving kindness, drawing them into Jesus. He did it for me. He could do it for you. My God. And we show them. And God said, go ye therefore and what? Teach all folk. Amen. No matter their creed or color. Teach them whatsoever I have commanded you to do. Amen. I'm going to be with you. They're going to be saved. They're going to be delivered. You're going to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Thank God. That's what we got to do. Jesus didn't say some kind of campaign of a carnival and Ferris wheels and stuff. No. Our church should not be ashamed if we're not giving out backpacks. My God, if we don't have a food pantry ever, we should not be ashamed. You don't have uh, the calling from God to do it. You don't have the uh, 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 human resources, my God, and the physical resources and monetary, uh, financial power to do certain things. God didn't commission you to do it. Don't do it. You got to wait for God. 
You got to pray. You got to call him. Amen. You got to wait for God. Again, I say wait on the Lord. And if you're not waiting on the Lord, it's not done in holy faith. It is sin. Because then God's going to say, yeah, you did all of that in my name. All right. Well, that's cool. But guess what? Depart from me. I know you're not. Ye worker of iniquity. I didn't call you to do that. It wasn't commission. It was an unauthorized work. Hallelujah. Anyhow, thank God. So let's work for Jesus. Whatever we do for Christ, that will last. Not do because we want to make people get fooled as though we are so deep in Christ. No, it's not a trick. Revival has to happen through obedience unto God. Since revival stops when activity stops, holy activity stops, let's keep active in a holy way in watching and fortifying our weak areas in our life, worshiping God instead of having those sinful weak areas, serving God instead of serving our flesh, my God, serving the people that God puts in our life and in our church. Do it with gladness. Hallelujah. You know why? Because the joy of the Lord is your what? Strength. When you're doing those holy things, that brings joy to the Lord. And when the Lord has that kind of joy because of what you're doing and how you're carrying his name, my God, he's strengthening you the more. And in Nehemiah 8.10, the last part of that verse, uh, you could see, amen, how they were in the time of the year, Rosh Hashanah, Feast of Trumpets, my God, there was six hours of scripture reading and they were praying and crying before the Lord, singing unto the Lord, celebrating in worship to get right back to the Lord. How many of us after six minutes, we get tired, but we could sit for three hours in a movie. My God. And there's no complaining. The only complaining is, gosh, they could have had given me better popcorn than this so I can enjoy the three hours outside of God's will better than this. Wow. God is commissioning us to do his will. We got to talk to our flesh because it's going to get hard. It's going to tug on over, tug on us back. The comfort zone. Isn't it cozy? Just sit in the bed. Just sit on the couch. You got that lazy boy. Go ahead, lazy boy. Sit in your lazy boy. And there's a lot of lazy girls in lazy boys. But we need to get up off of our blessed assurance and do some holy work. Hallelujah. Anyhow. Thank you, Lord. Whatever anyone does out of a sincere desire to know God and draw others to him, what is that? A great work. God does not want us to become weary in well-doing as we seek to advance his kingdom. Only the diligent will earn the reward of revival. That's going to be our crown. Amen. Nehemiah's diligent efforts reveal how such a divinely anointed task is a burden of responsibility that does not come cheap. There's a price to pay. Going to give up some so-called fleshly fun. You're going to do it for a season, but guess what? There's an eternal reward. I thank you, Lord, for that. The anointing of diligence will be taken and given to the Lord's obedient servants who are willing to move in the faithful opportunities provided exclusively by him. Let's use it 
or we will what? Lose it. My God, help us today, Lord. I pray that we will honor every small detail of the work you have placed in our life. You have given us personal marching orders and corporate marching orders as a people of God, worshiping you, assembling all together, not neglecting the assembling of ourselves as we see the time for your return imminent. My God, bless us to be ready in such an hour as we think not the son of man cometh. Will he find faith? Faith in the earth. Faith means we're doing what he told us to do, doing what he commissioned us to do, doing what he spiritually gifted us to do. Are we doing it? Help us, Lord. Let's stand in Jesus' name on your feet and let's raise our hand and voice to heaven and say, Lord, find me working. Help me to be diligent. Go ahead and pray to him right here and right now. We need a contrition right here in our midst. Hallelujah. If you, God, find me weak in some area of obedience to your holy will, I pray you will take it out of me. Cleanse me, Lord. Forgive me every little detail you gave me to do. And if I said no, that means I stiffened my neck. That means I hardened my heart. That means I closed my spiritual ear. That means I covered my spiritual eye and didn't want to go. My God, I kept my feet stayed put in complacency. Help me to rise. Pick up my bed and walk. Help me to do what I'm supposed to do. Even so, come Lord Jesus, find me in the will of God. Find me using the anointing you gave me. I know you're able. Help me oh God. Don't let oh God, anything be an impediment, a hindrance. Oh God, something that makes me trip up easily, gone all astray, away from God. Help me to not be alienated from the will of God. I know you're able, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. I know you're able. You will not leave me nor forsake me, but I have done it to you. I pray, oh God, I'm running back to you, Lord. I don't want to be found, oh God, in outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Bless me right here and right now. I want to be back in the pocket. Bring the realm of agape back in the pocket. Oh God, help us to be revived, to do what thus saith the Lord. Every little detail matters. Help me, Lord. We're not going to get to the greater work until every little detail done before that great work is done. We need everything to add up to the greater work. Oh, God, the thing that you have at the finish line. My God, much is given. Much is required. We got to do what God said to do. Help us to be obedient. Trust you and obey everything from the mouth of God. We thank you, Lord. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness. We thank you, Lord, for your infinite grace and mercy. We thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We of the realm of Agape Christian Church pray that the Holy Word of God has richly blessed your soul. To send prayer requests, use the contacts page of our website www.roagape.org We need your continued prayers and financial support to maintain this ministry. You can also find a secure means of donating on our website. God bless you.